Amen. Amen. Well, good, good afternoon, uh, or good evening is probably a better way of putting it. Uh, welcome to our Wednesday night midday service, uh, and we're going to have a, 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 a new topic with a topic that's kind of been um, stirring up my spirit for actually quite some time, actually some years, uh, but the Lord uh, gave me permission to share it. And um, <clears throat> again, you know, we're going to we're going to get to the root of some things that's stopping us from fully flourishing or, or really getting to what God has planned for us. Um, you know, sometimes we stay on the surface of a lot of things in our life. And we're on the surface, and even as we're accomplishing tasks, we're doing things, but there's, there's th- things have not been uprooted, and we're continuing to die on the inside. So this, this teaching is going to be... Uh, it's going to be actually healthy. It's going to be good for us. It's not designed to condemn or alienate anybody. When you start talking about sexuality, people automatically uh, jump to feeling condemned or alienated, but that's not the goal. It's to enlighten and to unburden all of us. Um, it's, uh, the purpose of this teaching is to return us to choice um, because some have been feeling hopeless and bound uh, by what we're going to talk about today, um, you know, you know, our culture has been bound and enslaved in a world of lust, and you know, it's, it's just not fair. It's not fair that you know you have all this greatness around us and we can't get it fully out, fully flowing. Um, we're living in a society where we are measured and identified and at times ruled by sexual preferences um, uh, from uh, sexuality, sensitive laws, you know, uh, bathroom boundaries removed, uh, sexual consent laws being compromised, uh, what was once uh, identified um, by, you know, as, uh, as a, a dominant perspective in culture, what was once called perversion has become the norm. Uh, uh, those that have uh, been operated in perversion or perverted have established the boundaries or lack thereof. And I don't use the word perverted as a derogatory statement um, but as a position of choice, people have chosen to pervert, convert, or twist God's ways of doing things. You know, uh, and the reason why I say I'm not really, uh, when I say derogatory as a put down, I, I think the connotation is derogatory in itself. But I'm not using it as a put down because I was once perverted or twisted from God's design. Um, a lot of us um, have operated this way. Why was I this way? Because uh, sex was my dominant thought and appetite, not God. Um, sexuality was my dominant voice, not God. And so, you know, I had to, to evolve and to grow from some things. All right, so with, with that in mind, I just wanted to get you, give you a little foundation of some things that we're going to talk about today. Because what happens is we're in this world of, of sexuality's voice, 
you know, the, the, the focus or the lust of the world has been dim in our reality. It's been clouding us from true reality. Um, when we grow into uh, the life that God has designed for us, we get closer and closer to reality. Let's look here at just a few scriptures to open, our, to open up what we want to talk about. We're going to start with James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And it's good. We're going to have quite a few scriptures. Um, please take notes, write it down, research studies out for yourself. We have people that have been battling with some of this stuff and wanting to have some answers so you'll have like a template of God's word to assist you uh, in actually being freed from what's causing you not to pick up the momentum in your life. All right, so James chapter 1, or for us not to pick up momentum in our lives. But James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So blessed is, is the male or female that not falls into temptation, but endures temptation, outlasts temptation. It says, for when he or he or she is tried, uh, they shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Right? So there's a reward for, for resisting temptation. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man or any male or female. This is for every man or male or female is tempted when he or she is drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Verse 15. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. So, so we, can, we, we can recognize, discover, realize, uh, calculate that once we're, uh, we slip into temptation or we fall into temptation, it takes us a lot further than we plan uh, when we participate in the initial pleasure of what we're being tempted with. You know, it drags us beyond that. It says, you know, it says... Uh, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, uh, his own lust and entice. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. So it almost, once it gets you, it won't let you go until it takes everything from you. And so that's why I say if we stay on the surface, we'll, we'll be dying on the inside. If we stay on the surface, we'll be dying on the inside. So that's James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, right? So, so, so. This lust, we, we, we can determine, is um, almost, uh, it's, it's keeping us clouded for some things. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We'll start here at verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. It says... Uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child, right? Communicated as a child, understood as a child, processed things as a child, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, mature male or female, I put away childish things. It says, for now we see through a glass darkly. Again, it's still connected to childishness. When we're childish, immature, we, we, we look through a glass darkly. It says, but then face to face. 
when we mature, we start to see things uh, clearly. It says, now I know in part, we could say as a child, but then I, I shall know even as I am known, and the Amplifier says, by God, right? All right, so, so we talked about, well, you know, the, the travel or the, uh, the, uh, the chains or the momentum of lust and how once you get caught up in it, it drags you around, right? And here it's saying that when I was a child, spake a child, thought as a child, understood as a child, right? But let's look here at 2 Timothy and connect this scripture to, to it because, you know, some of these things we, we I'll say this, we've gotten honestly, right? That doesn't make it uh, more comfortable, but we've gotten honestly. So, so 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2.22, because remember it says, when I was a child, I was a child, I thought as a child, understood as a child. But 2 Timothy is saying something here. It says, verse 22, it says, flee also youthful lusts. It says, uh, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a, what? A pure heart. Them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So here we can, as, as we want to triangulate just these three scriptures that we opened up with. We opened up with, uh, you're blessed if you endure temptation, not if you fall into temptation, right? And then there's a crown waiting for us if we can endure temptation, right? According to what James chapter 1 verse 12 says. It says, but... Don't no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. You know, God taking me. No, 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 no. It says God didn't do it and he doesn't tempt man. He's not tempted and he doesn't tempt man. He says man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, right? So there's something that, that's happening on the inside that's drawing us out of the presence of God. It's not God drawing us out of the presence of God. That would even make sense, right? Right? It says, it says, but when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. Right? And so the, 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 the pattern of the temptation is to take your life, even though it's offering you initial pleasure. That, does that make sense? Right? And so, so, so we, we, see, we see that pattern. Then we went into 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, when I was a child, spake as a child, thought as a child, understood as a child. When I became a man, when I matured. So, so, so I remember, I think I was 15. I felt like I was mature. You know, I had responsibilities. I got a job, was buying stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I could buy stuff now. Get, get my own Adidas, right? Get my Americanas. And, but I, I, I wasn't grown. But I, something in me, I was thinking different, so I felt grown. Then, you know, of course, I crossed over to 17, and I graduated, and I went to college. So now, of course, I'm grown. I got my own place I'm staying in. Can't nobody tell me what to do. I clean that room when I want to clean it. So I feel like I'm grown. I'm in college. See, see my boy? What you doing? Yeah, I'm in college. Yeah, I'm, I'm over in college. You know, I'm taking up uh, psychology and uh, minoring in art. So now I'm, I'm, I'm talking like I'm mature. I'm still not mature. I'm still doing childish things. But this says, when I'm no longer a child, I put off childish things. Well, when I got to college, I was doing even more crazy stuff. I, and, 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 and the things I was doing was lustful. Right? And then uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2.22, it says, it, says, it says, flee youthful lust. Now, that word flee means run with terror. Right? Run with terror, youthful lust. So what it's saying is when I'm mature, my measure is not if I got a job. 
My measure is not if, 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 if I talk more intellectual. My measure is, am I still operating in useful lust or not? See, because if I am, lust clouds you. See, because the scripture, remember we read 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, spake a child, thought a child, understood a child, understood a child. When I became a mature male or female, I put away childish things. And then he goes and says, now I know in part. When I'm a child, I'm, I still don't understand. I'm still not seeing clear yet. It says, but then face to face. It says, now, now I'm looking through a glass darkly. If I'm still looking through a glass darkly, right, I'm still immature. I still have not matured yet. If I'm still clouded, right? And so this is our foundation um, that's causes, as we said, sometimes there's things at the core that's affecting our fruit or something, things at the root affecting our fruit. And so what's, what's happened is, is because of this world of sin, which we'll get into in a little while, things have shifted in our culture to the priorities that shifted from spirituality, sensuality, sexuality, to sexuality being the first voice, sensuality, and then spirituality. So sexuality for a lot of people is their first voice. But that, that was a result, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, of sin. Right? Um, and this is the thing. You have people that are play off of sexuality. Remember, we said it dims your reality. Sexuality as a first voice dims your reality because you're playing off of lust, right? So you're really not clear, but when you open your mouth, you believe what you, what you say and you believe what you see. You're just clouded. Everybody else in the room know you're clouded, but you actually are talking as if you, you're clear. You're arguing a point, but you're arguing a point from a, a, a dim reflection of reality is what 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and the Amplify says. And you, 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 you going toe-to-toe. But look back at maybe four or five years ago, some of the things you were arguing about, and you're like, I don't know what I was talking about. But at the time, couldn't nobody tell you nothing. There's things you're arguing about right now, can't nobody tell you nothing, and you're clouded. But the thing about blind spots is, or the thing about deception is, you don't know you're deceived until you wake up, right? And, and you're fighting tooth and nail. See, they don't like me. They tripping. No, nah, it ain't about they don't like you. And they're not tripping. You're just clouded because uh, you got a private stash. And your private stash is causing you not to be able to see, causing you to misunderstand, causing you not to pick up momentum to fulfill your dreams. You just constantly are talking about it. And again, this teaching, again, is not to put nobody down. It isn't to alienate those that are in darkness, but to incorporate all into the light. See, I took them out of darkness into the marvelous light. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to at least put the light up so people can see. You can't force people out the cave, but you can at least show, show them the light. And that's, that's all we're going to do here is we're going to show a light because here we are amplifying what's happening in the world. This world is doing this and they're going through that and they're going through this. Why are we amplifying it? That's just like God looking in, in the world and he saw uh, darkness and void. He spoke light. Our job is to speak light and life in the situations, not just amplify the obvious, okay? So we're Christians. And for 
you know, for everybody, how they process this teaching. We're com- I'm communicating this as a Christian to Christians for Christians to understand, but hopefully to draw other people into a relationship with Christ. Christians are people who live in Christ. So we are led by God's word as our source of authority. We talk about this in Survival Kit. You have four sources of authority, intellect, uh, experience, and tradition. But those aren't true sources. The one true source of authority is God's word. And so as Christians, we're led by God's word. We are mandated to love all with the truth. Speak the truth in love. That's what it says in Ephesians, right? I believe it's uh, 4.15. Right? To offer all. As Christians, we offer all deliverance in the form of Christ's blood-bought salvation. We offer all deliverance. Like, we don't keep it for ourselves. Anyone we come in contact with, we want to offer deliverance. So if people are bound, are we, are we setting them, offering deliverance to set them free? Are we going, too bad, so sad? Or are we using them as a measure to, make, to validate ourselves? At least I'm not doing that. Like the publican and the sinner when they went in to pray, right? That's not what our goal is. We're, we're, we're required to love folk. Uh, we're also, as Christians, we're designed to challenge all to not stay in their position of birth and conform into the world. So we're all birthed into the world. But as Christians, we're, hey, hey, like Jesus came to get the good news. We're like, hey, hey, you know, you don't have to stay into the conformity of what you came into. Right? That's what our job is. Right? So, we, we're, so, so you have certain situations where we all are birthed into a particular position, but I notice I'm looking around the room and I don't see any infants in the room. But at one time, everybody in here was an infant. I don't see any toddlers, but we were all toddlers. So that means we didn't even stay in that position, right? We evolved. So that's our, our goal to challenge people to evolve. Um, well, and, and how do we do that? We, 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 we encourage people to be born again, right? to be transformed into new creatures in Christ, to be born again and transformed into new creatures of Christ. Hey, don't, you don't have to stay here. You can be born again, and you don't have to conform. You could be transformed. Let's go here to Romans 12. Let's look at Romans 12. Now, we're talking about coming full circle and next level. I think we need to be at our next level of evangelism too, right? All right, so uh, Romans 12, verse 1, speaks to us as Christians. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You present your bodies. It didn't say even your spirit and your mind. It just said, give this vessel as a living sacrifice. Look, holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. The word reasonable service is the least you can do. Give God the vessel that he, he allowed to be birthed in this earth realm so he could use it for his design. Verse, uh, verse 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world, right? So now he's giving us instructions. Hey, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, look, by the renewing of your mind. So he understands. First, he tells you what to do with your body. He says, Give your body to God so he can use it. Then he says, you're going to have to renew your mind because your mind is going to start because you're born into this particular world. It's going to start to be pulled into thinking like the world thinks, tradition, intellect, and um, experience, right? It says that you may prove or test or, or show 
or recognize what is the good and acceptable, look, look, perfect, complete will of God, right? And that's Romans 12 too. So we're, we encourage people, hey, 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 you don't have to conform, you can transform. You're not in a hopeless situation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we're letting people know, hey, 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 once you baptize into Christ, you start the process of becoming new. Old things start to shed off of you, right, and pass away. That conformity, whatever you were conformed into or born into, starts to shed, right? And you start to evolve almost like that caterpillar coming up out of that cocoon into a new creature, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? That's that, we won't go there, but that's the scripture. And so, so we also, as Christians, we challenge people to uh, come out from among them and be ye separate, right? Come out from among them and be ye separate, right? So, 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 so the, that's, that is indicating that you are among them when the request is made, right? So, because you were born among them. But you're, you're, you're hey, many are called, but few are chosen. So, many people are, are were called into this thing, and they're being instructed, hey, 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 come out from among them and be ye separate. No, no, don't conform, transform. Hey, no, 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 you must be born again. No, come on out, right? But some people are going to choose to stay in. So, yes, they were called, but they can't be chosen. Because they, the chosen ones have come out from among them and separated themselves, right? It's uh, just wanted to give you the scripture. Um, and this is just this. This is after he says we don't have unequally. We're not unequally unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with uh, with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? Right? And then he goes down here, verse seventeen, Second Corinthians six. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Look, look, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Right? So, so, so we, as Christians, we're challenging or encouraging people, hey, you don't have to stay in that state. You don't have to be bound. You know, you don't have, remember we talked about being puppets? You don't have to be just uh, puppeted around. You can clip those strings, right? And, and, and so the reality is this, yes, we, how do we get conformed? How do we get birthed in such weight or compromise or bondage? Um, uh, because Adam and Eve yielded to compromise. You know, sin was introduced into our lives and has flooded the world ever since. Let's go over here to Genesis 2. Let's look at Genesis 2. So, so and, 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 and I'm going to set the foundation. We're going to be talking about this for a few weeks here. Uh, and actually, a piece of this we'll talk about in the relationship boot camp. So we'll even, you know, on the, that maybe on that Wednesday, me and Pastor Mel, we'll just talk about uh, sexuality's voice as it relates to relationships. Um, but 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 I wanted to set the foundation because nobody's really tripping or evil. You're birthed into this world. You were given instructions from heaven when you got into the world, but you came in blind. And you, 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 you allowed yourself to get uh, submerged, you know, just, you know, just submerged. 
So 2 Corinthians, uh, no, I mean Genesis 2. You know, God, you know, he spoke the world into existence and he breathed into Adam and, you know, uh, he breathed into man, became a living soul. Uh, verse 7, verse 25. Right? So he made man, he took, he made man, he took the rib out of the man and made the woman, right? He said, uh, there, uh, you know, Adam said, this is bone of, uh, this be bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's verse 23. Verse 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh, right? Verse 25 is our emphasis. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were unashamed. So they were totally exposed, right? But they were unashamed because their focus was the presence of God. That glory covered them so much, they ain't had time to look at their nakedness, right? And then you jump over here to chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, and, uh, you know, the serpent was subtle, and he tried to uh, offer to um, uh, Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree. She's like, nah, we're not supposed to eat of that. Nah, you eat it. God, God just knows when you eat the tree, you're going to be like him. So he, he, he was hustling Eve, right? In verse 6 it says, and when the, woman, when the woman saw that the tree was, number one, good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and, uh, and a tree desired to make one wise, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? See, just where it first took place. Satan's same tools he be trying the whole time, right? And it says, uh, it says, and she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it also to her husband with her, and he did eat. It says, and when, look, look, and the eyes of them both were open. Now their natural eyes was open, and they knew that they were naked. They, they were already naked, but it says knew. They were intimate with their own nakedness now, focused on themselves. It says, and they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of uh, uh, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That voice was communicating all the time. Remember, we live off of what? The authority of God's words. So that voice was God's authority uh, speaking and breathing through the world. Just, just beauty and, and creativity and power and, and you know, uh, uh, the Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyons and, you know, it was just... God, it's like every time you turn around, his word was just, was, was, was denourishment, right? So it says, uh, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the garden, uh, walking in the garden, cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the voice of God, from the authority. It says they hid themselves from the presence of, of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden, and God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Trying to wake him up. You know, he said, where art thou? You're drifting. You're drifting out of my presence. I can sense you drifting out of my presence, right? I can sense you, you're, you're, you're shifting to conform. You were transforming the whole time. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I heard the authority of your word. And I was afraid. I was afraid of truth now, right? He says, because I was naked and hid myself. See, I was afraid of the truth that I was going to hear while I was exposed, thinking it was going to condemn me. 
Before I could listen to that truth and be totally exposed and wasn't worrying about being content, condemned because I knew that truth was growing me. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, empowering me. It was helping me from where I was to get where I was going. It was never a put. It wasn't based on my esteem. It was feeding my esteem. But now that I'm in sin, I can hear the same truth and I twist it, pervert it, convert it into a, instead of a build up, a put down. Instead of an empowerment, it's taking something from me. It's now labeling me instead of it's actually identifying. Right? Same, same, the same voice of God's word, now because of lust, it's processed different. See, see, um, we were born into this, this, this world, this darkness, right? Um, but are directed to be born again. See, we were born into hiding from God, right? Unacceptable Hiding from God is unacceptable to purpose. We were born into this appetite or lust for abuse and perverse desires because of what this move that they made. So, so it's not, nobody's exempt from being tempted by it, but we all have every right to choose to, to endure and be above it. Like we talked about in James chapter one, blessed is the person that endures for that person shall receive the crown of life, right? So, 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 and, you know, so we were, we're instructed to be born again. Matter of fact, in fact, the scripture says ye must be born again. Like it's not, hey, if you want to, you can be born again. You know, you know hey, I heard some people down the street getting born again. You might want to consider it. No, it's, 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 a, it's a plea, John chapter 3. Let's go there real quick. John chapter 3. And the interesting thing is this is no respect of person. Whatever state we're in, we're instructed we must be born again, right? All right, so uh, John chapter 3, Jesus answered, said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be uh, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except, John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he can't see. See, so if I can't, remember we talked about being clouded, a dim reflection of reality. So if I'm clouded, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm conformed to this world and I'm in this world of lust, I can't see the kingdom of God. So I think what I see in this chaos or this craziness, this darkness, this, uh, this lying, this stealing, this, uh, this uh, racism, whatever, I think that's all I got to deal with. Right? Because I can't see the kingdom of God. I can't see uh, the heaven that I can draw in the earth. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? For it to be on earth as it is in heaven. I can't see all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. I can't see those things. Right? And so this saying, well, if, you, if you're not born again, you, you'll think, see, and why do I need to see these things? Because God originally designed, designed heaven and earth to be together for us to enjoy the things of heaven and the earth realm. After sin, all they saw was what was in the earth realm, and they covered themselves and hid themselves, right? So God is trying to set some things up. So you must be born again, you can't see. Then Nicodemus said unto him, unto Christ, can a man be born when he is old? So, so again, everyone would ask, you must be born again. Well, I was already born. I'm, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 40, I'm 30, I'm 12, whatever. It says, 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? So, so Nicodemus only knows one type of being born, and that's submerged in water and birthed into this earth realm. So he says, we got to, we're going to do that over again? In verse 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily. Now he's, it's, it's an urgency there too. I say unto thee, except a man be born of, of water, like you're talking about, out of the mother's womb and submerged of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot get the things that's supposed to benefit him in his life, right? It says that which is born of, the fl- of flesh is flesh, and that which born of spirit is spirit. Think about this. So we're just born of the flesh, and we are not born again. Everything we do will be is of the flesh, not because we're trying to be evil. We're born of the flesh. Everybody in here was born of the flesh. I mean, unless, you know, y'all had a, a, a Jesus birth. Or a John birth, primarily a Jesus birth, where the Holy, she was uh, married and pregnant by the Holy Spirit, then we were born of the flesh. So, so our appetites will be fleshly. Oh, my God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What do you mean what's wrong with you? You were born of the flesh. So you have to be born again. You see what I'm saying? It's not rocket science, right? Let's go here at uh, Romans 8. Let's look at Romans 8. Well, excuse the phrase, it's not rocket science. It's not a fair statement to make because people may have not been exposed to the information. So I take back that bit of sarcasm. Please forgive me. All right, so uh, Romans 8, and we'll, 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 we'll stop here at verse 5. You know, I mean, first, verse 1, Pastor Mel's one of her favorite scriptures, there's no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. Let's start down here at verse 5. It says, look, look, look. For they that are after the flesh, we just said, you know, you're born of the flesh, you're flesh. So they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. For they are, uh, f- but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So it's saying if, you're, if, if, if all you are is fleshly, then your appetites will be fleshly. When you, when, when, when you feel a void or you have a bad day or you feel lonely, you're going to move to satisfy the flesh. When you're depressed, you'll move to satisfy the flesh. But if you're born of the spirit, you'll move to quench yourself with spiritual things, right? Which is true fulfillment, right? When you try to satisfy the flesh, it just creates more thirst, right? And verse 6, it says, for to be carnally minded, that word carnal, carnality, carnivorous, that's uh, carnal, that's fleshly minded. To be fleshly minded is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, God's authority. Remember, God's word we talked about. The flesh is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So if I'm in the flesh, God could be speaking and I'm going to rebel or I'm going to defend or I'm going to fight. Even though I'm talking Christian, I come to church, but I live after the flesh. So every time God's word comes up, it's like it's an option for you. But for us that are living, trying to live after the Spirit, oh, God said what? Oh, well, we got to change all this because it's not an option. It's God's authority. See, we're not, if I'm in the flesh, I'm, I'm doing Adam and Eve. I'm hiding from the voice of God. And how do I hide? I hide my defensiveness. I hide in my, create my landmines. I hide in playing the victim, right? I hide in my snapback, my panic room. That's how I hide from, from taking a, being accountable to this truth that I'm getting, right? 
I hide in gathering other compromising people to support my compromise. Look, they are doing it. Surely it's okay. God's word doesn't care if they are doing it. He's trying to give us life. They're all jumping off the cliff. So what's wrong with me? Right? Just something to think about. Right? Uh, so what did I read? I read... Uh, to be carnal mind is death, to be spiritual mind is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is empty against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither then can be. I said that already. Verse 8, and so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It didn't say sometimes. It says if you're in the flesh, you can't please God, right? And a part of that is saying you can't walk by faith because without faith it's impossible to please Him, right? Right, if you're in the flesh, You're going to be clouded. It's hard for you to believe in what you can't see. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Right? And so so, so, so we see here this this what's caused sexuality to have a, a greater voice. And what happens is like, what, 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 how can I say it? What the adversary did in that garden was flip the script. So you had spirituality influencing your sensuality or your soul, man, your mind, will, your emotion, and your, emotion and your intellect, all your reasoning, and the spirit and the soul governed the body. When it was flipped, now you have sexuality, you have, this, you have the flesh, Dictating to the, the soul reason, now God's word is an option or a consideration versus the spirit is indeed willing to always roll. It, the word flow with it. If you go in, 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 in the heaven realm, it says the angels are hearkening to the word of God. They don't go, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Matter of fact, the angels hearken to the voice of God if it comes through you. They don't go, well, let me ask you something. Why I need it? No, they, they don't know how to operate in questioning when God's word is moving forth because it's their lifeline. It gives them strength. It gives them power. You see what I'm saying? So, so only somebody in the flesh that's influencing the mind where you, your choice station, right, the flesh influences the mind, and now you'll reason out of operating off of God's authority. Does that make sense? So we must flip the script back to thirst for spiritual things, and that's spirituality first, then, then sensuality, and then sexuality, right? Uh, Matthew 5, 6, it says, they that hunger and thirst after God, what? Shall be filled. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, Right? Thirst after spirituality, right? And, and so we learn this in Matthew 26, 41, scripture we talk about here a lot. It says, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's why we have to flip things back to the this, this spirituality having the greatest voice and not sexuality or flesh. The flesh is weak. It's always going to take the path of least resistance. It's always going to jump at what's pleasurable, but not what's purposeful. Right? Uh, something I always tell, used to tell my son, I said, son, all, whatever you do for the rest of your life, 
You remember nothing I told you. Always do what's best. Scripture says all things are lawful, but not expedient, not best. So that means, yes, we have choice. We can do anything, but everything's not best. You might go, yeah, but that's my baby. But is it best to make that decision for their life today, to cripple them even further? Is it best? Because people are re- reaping a serious harvest for enablement because they're not doing what's best. They're doing what, what feels like the right thing to do. That's not, that's not the spirit moving. That's not being led by the spirit or the authority of God's word, Right? So flipping the script back to spirit, soul, and body, or spirituality, sensuality, and then sexuality. So we have to avoid elevating our feelings, which is the voice of the flesh. We have to avoid elevating our feelings over God's word. And so we we have to see, see, so remember, like the soul is kind of neutral here. The soul is neutral from the standpoint, it can be influenced by either the spirit or the flesh, right? And so... So, what's speaking the loudest through your soul that's influencing your life? Is it your flesh or is it your spirit? What's, what's speaking the loudest? Because what you feed the most will have the greatest voice. What you feed the most will have the greatest voice. So, if you feed your flesh the most, it'll, sexuality will have the greatest voice in your life. Your flesh will have the greatest voice. So, even when you hear what God says... You'll defend your position. You know, you ever been in a bad relationship? Every, everybody's coming to tell you, you know, hey, you know, this person, they're not good for you. They're abusing you. Uh, they're stealing money from you. They're using you. And, and when they start talking to you, now, you know, you got like uh, three black eyes and you broke. And, you, and you're working hard, right? And so they come to talk to you. So you go, but you don't understand. Jimmy's really a nice person. You know what I'm saying? Why? You're... you're Jimmy has a greater influence on the truth. You, you, it's hard for you. Your reality has been blurred. And so God comes and says, hey, we can't do that no more. It may feel good, but it's stealing your life, your momentum. It's, it's affecting all your relationships. It's clouding you from the truth, right? And he's telling you this, but, hey, but you don't understand. You know, nobody's perfect. Why are everybody trying to put me down? No one's putting you down. They're like, you don't have to stay there. Come out from among them and be ye separate, right? And so, so, so that's what happens sometimes. What you feed the most has the greatest voice. So remember, you have these voices. You have uh, your feelings, which is the voice of your flesh. You have your mind or reason, which is the voice of your conscience. And then you have, of course, your spirit or the Holy Spirit, which is, should be influencing your subconscious. So we read Romans, and I'll explain this in a second. So we read Romans 12 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that scripture is saying renew your, your conscience, where you make your initial decision. You come into church and you hear a truth and you go, hey, oh, it happens all the time. We're working on something. You know, we got extra cameras here working on something so people can hear the, 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 the reality of the truth that they get. They can hear it coming from their mouth, you know, not from us. And, 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 and these people aren't, nobody's tripping. They, they, it's meant to ascent. Oh, I never thought about that. Ooh, I see this, that, and when I did this, it went, 
Man, that's all I got to do. So we see. It's called mental ascent. Your life don't change just because you agree and realize something in the moment. You, you started the, the first part you got right. I agree to change. But you ain't going to change just because you mentally assented consciously. You have to meditate on what you agreed to to a point where it fills up your conscious and pours into your subconscious and you do it without thinking about it. So if it's something that you're not going to practice, it's just something that you are referring to or acknowledging, you'll be the person that people are always talking about. Yeah, they keep talking about what they're going to do, but they never do it. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. It's just talk if your habits don't change. Right? And so the scripture says, in the, so, so, so we said Romans 12, right? Two, it says be renewed in, uh, renew your mind. That's your conscience, right? I, I got to teach that again, the whole renewing your mind teaching. Got a lot of revelations. I was mentoring a guy for an entire year. That's what we talked about the whole year, every week. One of the athletes, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I learned a lot just by us going over it. All right, so, so Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Because we said, you know, you have your feelings, you have your conscience, and then you have your subconscious. But look here at verse 23. It says, look, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So now we're getting a little deeper. We're getting to our subconscious. What we do without thinking about it. So it's not what you mentally assented to. That's when you agree, I need to change. It's what you do without thinking about it. So are you cursing without thinking about it? Well, that's in the core of who you are. That's what you practice, right? It, are, are you reading the wrong things, watching the wrong things? Are you constantly defensive? That's what you practice. You've practiced being a defense attorney for compromise. So that's what's going to come out of your mouth on a consistent basis, being a defense attorney for compromise. You ever talk to somebody and say, hey, man, you, hey, you, hey, you know, hey, hey, you need to be more focused discipline. Well, you know, the reason why I didn't do this is this. It always has a reason for not doing something. Not a reason to do, but it's a reason not to do. See, again, that's because the flesh has influenced the mind, the conscious, and that's, that's where reason takes place. When they aided the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that introduced them to evil as an option. That means compromise was an option. Disobedience was an option. Before they ate of that tree, obedience was all there was. God's truth was all there was. It wasn't no question and consideration. When you get into reason, that is not a fruit of the spirit. Right? You've just, you're just practicing to be a defense attorney for compromise. Your number one client is the flesh. Yeah, you say, why do you always take people as an attorney, all these criminals? You know, somebody got to defend them. Why do you keep taking the flesh, you know, as, as one of your clients? Well, somebody got to defend the flesh. <laughs> as a Christian. <laughs> right? And so, so, so the carnal mind reasons and questions the authority of God's word. The fleshly mind, the soul that's influenced by the flesh, always reasons and questions God's word. Hey, walk out of here today, hear the word, and choose what they want to apply. And sometimes they don't say it. I'm, they just flow. I ain't doing that. Please. They, they can say everything they want about 
what wine does, what smoking does, what sex does. I'm going to do what I want to do. See, that's a carnal mind. And the scripture says that person is not resisting temptation. Sin trying to, take, trying to kill that person. Trying to kill that person. And, and there's people that die through, you know, just, 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 just wilding out, doing different things. They're not trying to be evil. They, they overconfident like it ain't going to happen to them. The difference between them and me, I ain't taking the chance. I ain't that sweet. I can't hover around and participate in the things some people could participate in. It ain't got nothing to do with me being a pastor. It has something to do with me not wanting to lose my life. Not wanting me to lose my mind. Not wanting me to lose my woman. <laughs> like I'm not risking, not, not wanting me to lose my church family and purpose and stuff like that. Man, y'all taking risks. Now, when I say y'all, I'm speaking to generals, people watching. Man, I, I, I can't do it. See, it ain't got nothing to do. Uh, see, because you was a pastor, this, that, and other. I, listen, I know I'm not going to dog you out right now. But there's plenty of pastors taking a lot of risk. With the congregation, with their families, with their wives, with their lives. So just because you're a pastor don't mean that, oh, because you're a pastor. No, we all on the same boat. We got to endure temptation. Every one of us in this room. That's what we all equal. <laughs> we all got to endure temptation. It's coming at, it's coming at you fast. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, so that spiritual mind trusts and flows with the authority of God's word. See that, because the mind is influenced by, influenced by the spirit. The spirit is indeed willing. The flesh is weak. The spirit thirsts for God's word and his presence. But remember we said that carnal mind, that fleshly mind is hiding. Remember? Running from God's the accountability. Matter of fact, the person that's limited in accountability, man, that person's being pulled. That person, that person is, is not a fully, remember we talked about the worldly Christian? That's a worldly Christian there that talks about Christ, but is unaccountable. Yeah, a solid Christian ain't unaccountable. Are you kidding me? The spiritual, remember, we, remember uh, discipleship personality? We went over to the natural person, the worldly Christian, and we went over the, uh, the spiritual Christian, right? Remember, the, 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 the worldly Christian had the door open to God and the door open to the flesh. Carnal mind right here, right? See, compromise, conformity, reprobate, confusion, those things are led by the flesh. That's sexuality's voice, not by the spirit. That's not spirituality's voice. Compromise, conformity, reprobate, confusion, those things are led by the flesh. See, we have, to, we have to get things back in proper order, being led by the Spirit, not fleshly pleasures. Scripture says this in Galatians 5.16. It says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we talked about this a long time ago. I just want to reintroduce it. You notice that the soul has been neutral, neutral from the standpoint it could be either influenced by the flesh or the spirit. So even when the word goes forth, the word goes forth and it's speaking to the soul. So uh, Matthew 26, 41, it says, hey, soul, hey, soul, hey, mind, hey, will, hey, intellect, hey, sensuality. It says, it says, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The word is telling the soul which one to choose. Which one to receive? Because your choice station is in your soul. It's in your, it's your mind, your will, your emotion. Your soul is where you make choices. That's why it says, what profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? 
Because the devil knows if he gets your soul, he gets your choice. So the word is constantly telling your soul, hey, hey, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. It's, it's, it's talking to the soul. Hey, soul, walk in the spirit, man. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't be carnal-minded. Hey, the, the spirit is always willing to flow with God's word. The flesh is weak. It can't do it, man. It, the, this Bible is talking to your soul. It, that's why it says meditate on the word day and night, do all that's written therein. Then shall you make your way prosperous. Then shall you have good success. It's talking to the soul. Meditate on the word day and night, man. Practice the word. And when, when, when you're tempted, the word will respond. Practice the world. When you're tempted, the world will respond or the flesh will respond. It's telling you what to practice. And we sit around and go, because we are positive or nice people, that, that, we, we're not going to change that way. We change based on our habits. Hey, we don't change based on our habits. <laughs> right? You know, the reality is you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you can abuse it. Like your life. If you don't understand the purpose of it, you'll abuse it. So we're in this life to display victory over the adversary, to draw the defeated and to win it. So we have to be winning. First John talks about destroying the works, which to take out the, 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 the uh, hold on a second. Please, First John 3. Look, 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 this is interesting. Look at this. Verse, 1 John 3, 8. Uh, Luke 4 was to destroy the works of the devil. But look at, look at 8. It says, he that committed sin is of the devil. All right? 1 John 3, 8. It says, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I was correct when I said destroy the works of the devil. Look, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God does, does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Christ is in him because he is born of God. Remember, he's born again. And so, so again, you can triangulate this through the, the Greek form of committed sin, and, and, and the translation says, doesn't habitually practice sin. So we, we'll go, man, I, I don't know. Nobody's perfect. Everybody, this, this is not saying Everybody has not sinned because the scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we convert the all have sinned into, hey, we all sinning, practicing sin, and fall short of the kingdom of God. That's not what it says. It says all have sinned and fall short of the kingdom of God. So what it's saying is that people are going to slip. People have slipped. But you don't practice slipping. Slipping is something that you was not practicing, you was looking, you, and it just it happened to happen. If you, if you was a figure skater or ice skater, they don't practice falling. They fall by mistake. Or, as a matter of fact, they lose their focus and they fall. But, the, but go, go to one of their uh, practices. You'll never see them just, just jumping up in the air, falling down. They're practicing perfection, and then they may slip. 
In the body of Christ, it's weird because we almost think it's okay to practice sinning. No, we're supposed to be practicing holiness, spirituality. And if we fall, it's not because we're practicing. It's not because we're focusing on it. But when we go, hey, nobody's perfect, everybody, everybody sinned, you're going to sin more than everybody. Because sinning is an option for you. It ain't, you ain't slipping, you dipping and leaping in the sin. It's a difference, and that's not me putting nobody down. That's like we got to wake up to understand the difference. This says if you're born of God, born again, you don't commit sin. You don't practice sin. What you practice is what's going to come out of you. Man, I'm a ball player. I know. Toe, knee, elbow, reaching the net. I could do it. Left hand, I could do it right hand. I could do this all day. I practice it. I'm 50-something years old, and I still could. Both hands, I still could do it. It's practice. It's not I'm not sweeter than nobody. It's a habit. I'm lifting weights in the gym now, and I'm still up there just making sure because I'm not going to stop playing basketball. It's a habit. I used to tell the players, practice the right way. If nobody's around, still do it right. Nobody's watching, still do it right. I would be out there by myself. If I didn't make 50 straight foul shots on my right hand, at least 35 on my left, I should have set, set the goal to 50, I can't have fun. Nobody's out there. Well, the Holy Spirit was out there. Oh, no, you're going to do that again. I had to make 30 shots in a row with these drills. If I got 29 I missed, I had to start all over again. Nobody's out there but me. 30 straight. And I would get to 27, 28, uh, 25, 29. I had to start all over. I mean, I just want to get out there, do my little moves and cross over and spin and step backs. I want to do all that. Man, nobody wants to sit out there and do all them boring drills. But I know those boring drills, under pressure, my body only do, only do one thing. Oh, Keith, you nervous? This is what we do. You be nervous as you want to. This is our habit. It's what you do without thinking about it. I worked out my grandson hadn't played in a year. Catch. Shoot, catch, shoot, catch, shoot, without even thinking about it. I ain't even warm up. Not because I'm sweet. Habit. What's our habits? We ride bikes now. We ain't practicing. Because we did it over and over, meditated to a point where it was our default. Right now, what's your default? What do you do without thinking about it? Fleshly or spiritual stuff? I'm not in shape to be jumping around on a stage. <laughs> so my mind know what to do, but my body's not ready for it. <laughs> right? Right? So, so, so this is the thing. We're, we're designed to win. We can't win without salvation. Sozo, soteria, wholeness. Flipping everything back to spiritual. When our spirit is, is the foundation, our, our, our soul, our sensuality is led by the spirit. They are led by the spirit are the sons of God. Our body is being puppetized by the spirit. We're going to fulfill purpose. That's wholeness. The scripture says, uh, uh, Paul said, I pray that you're sanctified holy. Right? Uh, it was First Thessalonians. Let's go there real quick. I really got tired doing that. And I actually did run today. All right, so 1 
Thessalonians 5. All right. Where are you? All right, verse 23. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Look, I pray, God, that your whole look, spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does that happen? When, this, when the spirit is the first voice and the greatest voice. That's how it happens. Wholeness starts when the soul makes a choice to be led by the spirit. Right? See, once that soul died in that garden, it flipped the script. The soul wasn't strong enough to, 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 to anchor keeping everything back in order, right? So, we, so, I mean, we have a lot that we're going to talk about going forward, but, but I, 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 want us, I wanted to give a foundation of how things got converted into sexuality being the greatest voice. How things, how we, it's one thing that, the adversary converted sexuality into being the greatest voice and flesh having a great influence in this world. But it's another thing for us to co-sign it. It's another thing for us to endorse it. And now we're establishing laws for it. Like that, that's different. That's not, that's not, hey, uh, it's raining outside. Depending on how the wind blow, I may get wet. Now, you could say peace be still, but precipitation is raining. But you going up in the air with all types of satellites and doing things and just flushing pollution up there to assist the rain, that's totally different. That ain't rain by chance. That's you're an active participating influence. And the thing is, what's happening now is boundaries are being blurred. See, boundaries protect us. God's laws keeps us in God's protection, keeps us in that garden, that garden of Eden experience. When you start blurring the lines and walking outside the lines, you can leave God's presence and don't realize it. Apart from him, we can do nothing. John 15, 5, right? You take, we talk about this all the time. Take a fish out of water, eventually it's going to die. It's not in the element that's conducive for it to be as powerful. It's not in an element that's conducive for us to continue to live for a long period of time. Take a tree out of the ground, same thing. It's going to last for a while. But if it doesn't get the proper resources, and sometimes people take trees out and put them in climates in a little pot or whatever, but it's not enough for it to get its roots to get the nourishment it needs, and the tree dies. Because you took it out of the, 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 where it needed to be rooted to grow. Take a man out of God, same thing. They hang around, we're, God made some resilient bodies. So the body hangs around for a while, but on the, in, on the outside it's looking one way, on the inside it's dying. Because it needs to stay connected. So all these little, see, when you're drawn away of your own lust and entice, it's all it is is pulling you out of the presence of God. And that's the thing. I'm a Christian. I got to encourage people to stay in the presence of God. Man, I ain't putting nobody down. I'm not, I'm not alienating nobody. I want everybody to be born again. So, so and, and I said that because, you know, we'll talk about this probably next week. But I've been hearing this line for so long I said, Holy Spirit, why do people keep saying that? I was born this way. Because if that's the case, I'm still out there chasing women. Because I was born into that. But, but thank God I can be born again. You see what I'm saying? There's people out here chasing, chasing animals. I, I won't say specifically what they're doing with the animals because of some of the children that are here, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? 
So, so if that person just says I was born this way, is that cool? I mean, if that's the line, I was born this way, right? There's people out here are kleptos. If the line is I'm born this way, leave them alone. Matter of fact, why is there a law, a law if somebody steals something, you're going to put them in jail? They were just born this way. Leave them alone. If that's the line, we can use it for everything, right? There's people out here lying 24-7, lie about everything. All I got to say is I was born this way, right? Because we're making laws because people are saying I was born this way. And, and, and it's based on their feelings because you can look at people and, say, and know that they weren't born that way. Right? But the scripture says, and it's okay if you feel that way. The scripture says you must be born again. You can be born again. See, so as Christians, we're so open and welcoming because we want to love everybody. So I'm not going to be judging nobody that, that's been fighting through porn, fighting through homosexuality, fighting through drinking, fighting through smoking. I'm a man of God. My, go- my goal is to bring people out of darkness into the marvelous light. So, so I love everybody, and that's what my love does. My love is saying, hey, you don't have to be bound. You can be free. You don't have to conform. You can transform. You don't have to compromise because you got hurt in this relationship, so you decided to change sexualities because you felt you would be a better-looking other sexuality or whatever the case may be. You ain't got to go through all that. Because God has some wonderful things for everybody. That, that, that's what my whole thing is. We can get into, I can't believe this person's doing that. Well, I can't believe I, can't believe I was doing none of the stuff I was doing. And, and it, was not, it, was, it was abusing people. I was abusing people. Because I was led by the flesh. And I was so clouded. I remember, listen, I've talked to people since I've been living right. And, and I remember make, say, what was the line? I was talking to somebody in Boston, and uh, this was like my first, I was traveling with, uh, with this semi-pro basketball team. So I met with this person, and I said, well, you know, you know, somebody would have talked to me. They said, everybody tried to talk to you. They said, everybody tried to talk to you, but you, you, you weren't listening, right? And so, so, and I hear that a lot. I hear a lot everybody's trying to talk to you, everybody. I hear that a lot about my life, but, I, but, I, but because I wasn't listening. Because I was clouded, I was defending my position, I was excusing my abuse because I was, I was, a, uh, I was training myself or practicing to be an a attorney for compromise. <laughs> and the flesh was my number one client. You can talk about anything, just don't talk about the flesh. You know, hey, hey, we'll lock you up. We'll take everything you have, right? And I did. I, I, I really crushed folk. I made some great cases for the flesh coming up. Um, well, I'm saying great cases, obviously, since it wasn't uh, based on truth, it was great to me. <laughs> you know, it, it soothed my compromise. So I could still be compromised even though everybody thought I was doing, everybody was telling me how foolish I was. And some, some, some of us are doing that right now. You ain't hiding nothing from God. Right? You're not, whatsoever man saw of that he shall reap. And, and, and man, I love you. Right. Wherever you are, whatever state you're in, whatever, uh, whatever you're caught up in, 
I love you, we love you, you know, you don't have to be bound. And you got it honestly, born into it. But you can be born again. Guess what? Sweetheart, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it's a little line that we have at the house. All right, so let's talk, about, let's talk a little bit about at least this first phase of sexuality's voice, what it made you think about, how were you challenged, um, uh, some things that may have helped or, or some realizations. Uh, there's a lot it, with this particular topic is going to go through a lot of people's head because none of us have been exempt from sexuality's voice. None of us, you know, now that we're living in this world. But just, uh, you know, vulnerably, transparently, or just as you're evolving, would you care to share what you realize from today? 